Welcome to the Supported Living Property Podcast with your host, me, Lisa Brown, the place to learn about supported living property investing. In this episode, Terry Galloway talks about his lived experience of being a child in care and how this has driven him to advocate for change in the system. Terry shares his thoughts on the future model of homes for young people who have been in the care system and talks about several ways that property investors can make a difference. Hi Terry, it's great to have you here today. Hello, uh, thanks for having me. So Terry, tell us a little bit about you and who you are for people who don't know you. Okay, um, so I'm Terry, Terry Galloway. Uh, my real name's Norman. Um, so if anyone ever sees why it's Norman Galloway in the various businesses. Um, so when um, I was younger and lived in children's homes and foster homes and stuff, um, obviously I didn't want that stigma of being in care. So when I was in school, I was Norman. And when I was in the children's home, I was Terry. Okay. Two kind of identities and it's kind of, I still use both names to be fair, but that's me anyway. And tell us a bit about what you do. Um, so at the moment, um, we've got a letting agency, property management company. So we do, you know, standard lettings and high street. We do a lot of property sourcing. Uh, we do, we've also got a housing association. So we do a lot of support and accommodation for care leavers. Um, you know, we do, um, we've got an employment agency. So we do kickstart. We do a lot of uh, employment for care leavers and workability support. Um, main thing that we're interested in is actual outcomes, actually like, getting the outcome at the end, uh, which is like if, if you're working in employment, it's not just about helping the young person to, to, to create a CV, it's like actually getting them a job. Um, so so that, that's what we're doing at the moment. You do so many things. I don't really know. Do you just not sleep, Terry, I think? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't sleep. The, the, the thing is, is the letting agency is like a commercial standard business. And the only reason why I created it is so that I could kind of do the other more um, things that I'm more passionate about, such as okay. creating systemic change within the care system. And without, you know, without having a business that's kind of solid and generating revenue and income and stuff, you can't really do anything. You can't help anyone. So brilliant. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a clever way of thinking. And I think obviously your background's really been integral in, in what you're doing at the moment. Do you want to talk a little bit about your background and kind of share a little bit of that so people understand that in the context of, of what where you're going with things? Yeah, you know, it is quite an interesting one because, you know, I'm, I'll turn up to various meetings in, in, you know, various industries, you know, you know, because ultimately, as far as I'm concerned, you know, care leavers, you know, that it's like the whole thing, you know, it's, it's, it's not just one sector, it's the whole, you know, it's health, well-being, housing, employment, mental health, you know, it's, it's everything, education, training the whole lot so I'll end up in in lots of these different places where they might not know me or where I'm coming from and they'll kind of think what, what's he doing why, why is he kind of here um but the reality you know is I'm kind of I want to change the system um, and the reason is because I came through it you know so, so by the time I and ironically I know you're in, in Devon you know I actually left care in Devon um you know so by the time I'd left the care system at like 16 uh, I'd lived in over 100 places, you know, um, and, and that's like some kind of serious trauma going on there, you know, and, and it wasn't just me, there's my sister and there's also my brother, um, you know, and in order to experience like over 100 places, 
it's, it's just constant in and out of care, in and out of placements, you know, just literally. And the reason it wasn't because I was a, a bad child or anything. It was just I wanted to live with my mum, you know, and the local authority didn't think she, you know, she could she could cope with us. Um, but, the, you know, from what I remember in those early days, you know, the amount of kind of pressure they would put on my mum, uh, like, you know, right at the beginning, you know, like, you know, months and, and years old, you know, they put us into care where, you know, we, they put us in with like abusers, you know, foster parents that was abusing us. And then, you know, so if you're like a, a parent and, and your children, one, you, you've got the trauma and loss of losing your children, mm-hmm. and then they go into a place of safety. And then they're coming home on visits and saying, actually, this is happening to me in this foster home. Can you help me? And, you know, how, how, what, you know, what, if you're a mother in that, in that position and then the social services are, oh, no, no, you've got to go back, you know, and, and that, what would you do as a, as a parent? You're going to get angry, aren't you? You're going to really butt up against the system. Um, and then, of, of course, you've got kind of all the damage that all that, that's caused by all that. And, and for me, I've kind of, got over it but for my sister you know she was you know she was a little bit older than me so she knew what more more what was going on so she was seriously heavily traumatized over it you know so for all the prevailing years after that it's just in and out and it's just you know constant chaos and you know right through um you know like my sister you know she started kind of cutting herself and self-mutilation i remember i remember in the 80s you know she was on in the in the news of the world or one of the main papers uh, this kind of aspiring journalist called tina tina weaver um, and she she basically did a story and it was like labeled 101 scars and and that was like my mum crying out for help for her mm. who nobody wants to help you know because i remember we'd kind of go to the hospital and they'd be just like looking at my sister in disdain like why are you kind of doing this and just kind of not understanding so I've kind of seen all this trauma and seen all this stuff and seen how stigma and and how how messed up the system is Uh, and then of course you kind of come right through all that and then you get to the stage where finally you're free and you're not being told what to do by social services and as a child leaving care I just wanted to get as far away from them as possible because you know one they've done all this damage it took me from my mum. But of course, I'm like 16, 17, I haven't got a clue about life. Do you know what I mean? I think I know everything, <laughs> but I know nothing. Um, so, but obviously, so I'm not going to want help. I'm going to say I'm okay to live on my own, but I'm not. Uh, and the reality is, is when you're in that situation as a care leader, you end up kind of, um, you end up becoming vulnerable, you know, to, to uh, society, to the people that want to just, you know, take take the take the mick out. You know, see domestic violence, gangs. You know, drugs, alcohol. You know, all that stuff. You suddenly become exposed to it, and because you're a young child, you know, and you've got no one really looking out for you, and, and quite often you kind of drift back towards your family. That you know, that was the family that you know ended up getting you in the town in the first place. So it, it kind of you then start reliving all the trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and what then happens is, you know, the kids that come out of care in that situation, they then have kids. And then those kids then get taken and put into care. And then the whole cycle... The cycle just, carries on, doesn't it? It, it just carries on. And that's what happened to my sister, you know. So her children, she had two children. Um, well, she had three. One of them died. Uh, mm. death. 
Uh, and even that, you know, when, when the baby died of cot death, you know, trauma again, no help from the, from the local authority, you know, the hospital, like Torbay Hospital, gave her baby back in a basket, mm. walking around Torquay with a dead baby. So, you know, it's just like really, really bad, you know, the support for, for, for care leavers. So in the end, you know, she's just gone right off the rails, you know, crime, drugs, alcohol, you know, and in the end, you know, she was murdered by, by a, a boyfriend, you know, because she was vulnerable in, in domestic violence. So, she, you know, and when I saw her, you know, dead, that was like the most peaceful I've ever seen her for, right. you know, and it was nice, you know, because mm-hmm. I saw her, it was just anger on her face. And, but one of the things that we used to kind of chat about, like a few years, like a couple of years before, before that happened, I remember going to like a funeral uh, with one of her friends, uh, one of our friends who'd been in similar situations. And she's, you know, Hazel was like, you know, I'm going to be next, you know? And I'm like, well, no, you know, and I've spent like all night kind of saying, no, you're not. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, she was. Um, so that was like Hazel, luckily for her kids, I kind of, you know, found out about six months into her kind of um, them going into care and then, you know, having a battle with, with the local authority down in Devon and I managed to get them out of care and, and get them on special guardianship orders, you know, and, and all that. So I've got all that experience as well. So I've got a lot of understanding of how... Huge understanding of it all, Terry. The, and I think... The, the thing that for me is so inspirational when I talk to you is the fact that you've used that into that experience and distilled it into actually to energy to drive you forward, haven't you? And, and to make some real change in the system and the world about that, the way this is done. Well, this is it because, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and there's, you know, what a waste of, of life and, and experience if, if we don't do something about it, you know? So, so what, you know, and I haven't even taught, told you half of the stuff that's kind of gone on. Yeah. The reality is, is I, I, I understand what actually needs to happen mm-hmm. and it absolutely needs to be systemic change. Um, and it absolutely needs to be all of us. It can't mm-hmm. be, you know, it can't be just me. It can't be you. It can't be a local authority. It can't be a government. It has to be the, the whole community. So everything that I do now is about bringing people together, bringing communities together and, and creating like a, a transitional pathway for care leavers leaving the system. And the idea is to kind of create this perfect model and, and, and push it out in, into government through the care review uh, and get it out there so that this is the, the gold standard. This is what, what should happen. And, and the reality, and it's dead simple, it's just we just need to prepare these children as if they were our own children. And we need to, whilst they're in care, we need to be helping them develop relationships and, um, you know, with the community, you know. So, so a social worker, you know, when they're 14, 15, they should be helping these young people get out there and do work experience and volunteering and, and just do the stuff that if it was your child, that's what you'd be doing. You'd be taking friends and you know if you've got a friend who's got a shop you get them to do a bit of work experience so that they get they get an understanding of the community so that when they do got leave care and they want to fly because the the young people and they know absolutely everything don't they so when they want to fly they've got relationships they've got networks with the right kind of people mm. and and all that you know in order to make that happen we have to sort the housing situation out which is kind of where we are with with this uh, and also the employment, you know, so we've got a kind of 
you know, and, and the real great thing about it is, you know, the, there's massive, you know, real bad outcomes for care leavers. Uh, but what's actually happening there is they're just butting up against the system because they're not kind of, um, they're not uh, thinking in the same way as people who haven't been through this trauma, because when you kind of go through trauma, you think differently. And, and I know that if you can reduce the barriers that they're butting up against, they'll actually outperform their peers. And we've kind of got evidence with, with partners that I'm working with, like in the States and stuff, because I've been like right around the world looking at what's done the work. And I know for a fact that if we create the system, they'll actually do better than, than, their, than, than their peers. And, and if you think about it, in, in, in the reality of, of the whole human history, it's never really been anybody that's really changed the world for the better that, that thinks the same as everybody else. You know, so so in my in my heart of hearts, I think you know there's a lot to be said about reducing those barriers, and and these care leavers can be our kind of saviors and future leaders because mm -hmm. differently, you know. Uh, so that that's my mission, if that that makes sense. It's brilliant. And when we're talking about that, the housing element of it, because obviously we're talking about property investing and the property side of it. What do you think? What does housing for care leavers look like? What should it look like, I guess, is, is the question. Well, it should look like what you'd want for your own children. You know, you're not, you're not, you know, if, you, if you've got a child, you're not going to want them to go and live in a shared house for a start, are you? You know, you're going to want them, like the average, like the, the unfortunate thing is, is, is there's such a disparity between the general population, you know, the average age that, that you know, children are leaving home that are not from care is like 26 years old. Mm. For a care leaver, they're leaving at like 17, 18, and they've got all the bills, they've got all the, you know, they've got the whole thing, they've got sometimes even the A-levels and university, mm. getting a job, it's all jumped on them at that kind of young age. And the, the housing for, for care leavers, like the way I see it, is it, it just needs to kind of transition into kind of a supported accommodation model but not in the traditional sense where you then have to have move on accommodation because what's actually happening is there's like a bottleneck within the system and they just get in place and you didn't you get all kinds of providers and I'm not saying they're all the same but there's a lot of providers it's just for the money you know they, they might be doing exempt you know accommodation they might be doing commissioning and and it's just like it's they're like batteries you know mm these care leaders and that's not what they are you know the, the human beings and and they have aspirations and and we need to kind of have an aspiration like what is the pathway what is the transition you know and, and for your investors and, and for people who are thinking of going into like accommodation for care leavers you need to be thinking the end game like what is actually going to happen when this uh, young person gets a job mm and is got their own income, is the housing that I'm providing suitable? Will that actually work? Yeah. And if it's no, then it's not suitable, you know? Um, and and the, main, the main, one of the big issues at the moment is the fact that if, the, if they're on like in support accommodation, it's exempt accommodation, the rents are that high that if the person gets a job, then they, then they can't actually afford that rent and then they have to kind of move on. Um, so, so that that's the bit that has to change there. So it's about young people coming out of whichever setting they've been in, wherever they've been, uh, maybe 16, 17. Some people are coming at that age, aren't they? Being, what should they, you're saying that a shared house isn't where you think they should be. You think they should No, like 16, 17, there should be, you know, like we've got a campaign on at the moment, you know, the government are just about to, 
to change change the um, change the rules in September. You know, to make it so that you know you don't have to care. You know, because uh, what you've got to think about here is like you don't have to what? Sorry, t- you don't sorry. have to care. Yeah, for for to basically what what happens is like I was taken from my parent uh, mm. from. And we, they went to court and they demonstrated a threshold. Yeah. And the threshold is that is either neglect or future neglect. Um, so what then happens is if the local authority win um, under the Children's Act 1989, then they get a care order. And that care order lasts to 18. Yeah. And what the government are doing right now is they've just brought out or they're about to bring out statutory guidance that basically says that they don't have to care for children that are on care orders beyond the age of 15. So what they're saying is that they can go into unregulated accommodation and basically not receive any care. Now, the thing is, is you can say support accommodation, care supervision and, and all, all those definitions, but the reality is at 16, 17, sometimes you need a carer to just kick back side and say, no, you can't do that. Do you know what I mean? And if, if yeah, yeah. I, my my son is fifteen and three quarters. Yeah, he couldn't cope independently at all. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so the government right now they they brought that out. We've got a campaign. We've just issued, you know, the Secretary of State a pre-action protocol. Uh, we'll find out next Tuesday if he's going to do anything. If not, then we're taking him to judicial review over over it because uh, it's just not you know it's just not right. Uh, I do get where the government are coming from, but there's other kind of op. op- options the driver for this if i'm right is the fact that there isn't enough regulated accommodation so it's a isn't that is that part of the driver for making this change terry or is there some other driver from the from the kind of well well, the thing is is what is regular you know it's children's homes isn't it you know like the children they're saying it'll cost a lot more and it's giving local authorities and and one of the big things that they're saying is that this is what children want you know we've done Research and this is what young people are saying. We want to live live on our own, but we don't know nothing at that age. Mm. And and that aside, they haven't actually included, you know, the the actual. They've, they've admitted the children that say actually we do want the care, but that's that's all a bit you know a bit deep. So it's really important, and I think you know it'd be really interesting to see what happens as a result of that. But I think so from a property perspective, what do you think? that age group child should be placed child young person should be placed in and they need care they need what to be honest with you we've already done all this before and we just forgot you know when i lived in a children's home with the together trust it was called boys and girls welfare society Uh, and i remember i was like 10 years old and they had a little flat inside the children's home that you transitioned to and so really we need to be having like transitional flats under the banner of regulated children's homes, you know, so that it's all properly regulated. And then there's a pop, proper transition. Um, so you have the same staff, the same that you're familiar with, the same people around you that you know, but you gradually get some independence and you transition through. Exactly, them. exactly. Like there's no reason why that flat can't be in the community somewhere mm. and, and still getting that support, but mm. under, under that banner. Yeah. Uh, but you see, when, when kids kind of are going into supported accommodation which mostly happens now they get a higher priority on on social housing uh, but the problem is is the houses are not in the places where the kids want to live and and it's not suitable so for investors you know they need to really be kind of building 
houses that care leavers can kind of move into kind of permanently. And there's no reason why you couldn't have a model where it supports accommodation for, say, a year, and then you just switch it over to general needs, you know, once the person doesn't kind of need the support. But in terms of the, the, um, the regulated, unregulated, I'd like to see it come under the banner, you know, you know 16, 17-year-olds come under the banner of, of a regulated children's home. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I do feel there's a move, beginning of a move that way, don't you, Terry? I feel like it will come. Well, I do, but the, if, if we don't win this judicial... No, then that's completely contradictory to other things, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But a lot of it, you know, it's just about presenting those opportunities, those solutions, you know. Mm. One, one of the things that, you know, because obviously, like I said to you earlier, I jump into different areas and, and it'll be different departments mm. And sometimes one department, like the DFE, Department for Education, um, they may, might not necessarily know what the Ministry of Communities, Housing, Local Government are doing. You know, and, and, and I know, you know, I was in a meeting with the DFE the other day and, and they're talking about doing some research of national standards for 16, 17-year-old unregulated accommodation. And, you know, their mates down the road in, in the MCHLG have just released them for over-18s. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You know, and it's like, what? You know, and, and the other thing as well is in the model, it, it's 16 and 17, but then what happens when they're 18? You know, because it, it's not under the DFE. It's like over there. So they, they're not thinking about how it transitions, you know, across. And that's, that's I think, where the real opportunity is with the care review that's going on now is, is to actually bring all these departments to understand um, how it all kind of fits together, which is the work that I'm kind of doing right mm. kind of behind the scenes is to try and work with all these departments to kind of plough the way to, to get them to understand. Uh, Brilliant. It's, it's such important stuff trying to get that joined up thinking. And it seems simple, but it's so complex to actually get everyone talking to each other Terry so really good luck with that because I can appreciate that's real a real challenge um now I know you wanted to talk about the kickstart program with us do you want to just tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah so so I for years now I've always known that we need to remove the barriers for care leavers which is why we are concentrated on the local offer for care leavers so we've got this like new website called, called the care leaver offer and uh, so the Children's Social Work Act 2017 basically compels every local authority in England to produce a document and publish it. Uh, and, and in that document, it has to cover accommodation, health and wellbeing, you know, employment. It has to cover a whole host of stuff, the care leavers, and helping them transition out of care. So it's in legislation, they have to do it. But what I found is that they've all done it and they put it, but they buried it on their websites. And when you read the stuff that, is there it's all just wishy-washy it doesn't say it doesn't confirm or deny anything you know right. it's just completely wishy-washy so what we've done is we've made a website with every local offer in the whole country yeah and it's all on there and we, and we literally measure every area so you know we'll you know ha- which councils you know do council tax exemption free broadband free insurance you know priority for housing you know do they do a guarantor scheme so every measure that's important to a care leaver is on this website and you can measure it against other local authorities. Also kind of is turned into a, a campaigning tool for 
young people. So we've got this guarantor scheme uh, that we're campaigning about at the moment. And um, so on the website will all be all the policies on how these councils, because quite often, you know, when you're dealing with some of these councils, because the different areas of the council are, are de deal with different areas of policy, they might not even know what a care lever is. So you've kind of to give them the definition to so many different definitions. So this website will have all this stuff on there. So it's kind of the ultimate campaigning tool and the ultimate like bringing it all together so you can see absolutely clear. Um, we'll we'll what, drop a link to that in the show notes, Terry. Yeah. You're saying it's not quite published yet, but it yeah, will. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I've not opened it up yet because I'm just, you know, I keep improving it. So, mm. so that's that. But ultimately what that local offer is, it's the support that that young person gets in the community. So they might get, you know, they might get transport, you know, like in Nottingham, you get free leisure. Yeah. So if you're, if you're in a job as a young person and you're kind of, you, you know, if, if we give them a free leisure pass so that they can go to the gym as well as the job, um, it's going to help their health and well-being, it's mm -hmm. mental health, and they'll get it as part of the local offer. If you was living at home, you won't have to pay that. In fact, that might be the only thing you have to pay because you have to pay rent and all your food and all the rest of it. So all it's about is levelling them up. So all those local offer stuff helps them sustain the employment. Um, and in terms of the employment, we've, we want, we've, we're going to bring out a specific care lever scheme that will be national that transitions young people and we was you know we was going to bring this over from america but then corona hit and then the government brought kickstart out which is like the mother of all programs it's just so good because it gives a, a subsidy to the employer so the employer gets all the wages covered for six months for the young person there's a there's a grant which can help with the employability support whilst they're there and literally, all the people, all the companies that we're working at the moment, we've said to them, look, this isn't just about a bit of slave labour or, you know, just having that young person for six months. This is about you growing your business with this young person. If they then help you grow the business and, and you like them and they like you, we want you to give them a job at the end. And that's all our employers that are because I've got businesses and I know that good people are hard to find. You know, we've created 87 so far. Wow. Is, and we've not even really started no, no. I mean we're probably going to try and get about three or four hundred uh, you know before October um, so if any like investors or people who've got companies want you know these jobs can be anything you know but they must be created so you know by working with us on that that's helping us create this kind of systemic change because what we're going to use the kickstart for is the evidence of how we can do it for care leavers a little bit differently because Unfortunately, the care leavers that we actually want don't qualify for Kickstart, which was a complete oversight by the Department mm -hmm. of Work and Pensions because they don't communicate with each other and they don't know, you know. So it, the way it works is care leavers, the on care orders till they're 18. So if they can't get access to universal credit, which is the passport onto, onto uh, Kickstart, even mm -hmm. it says 16 to 24. Um, so, and they've recognised that and they've right. moved that pace. So we kind of are working with them oh, that's good. background on a specific care lever one. That's so, cool. So we'll put the, we'll put the contact details again in that, in the show notes, if people are interested in that. To yeah, sorry, I'm just going on a bit. <laughs> no, no, you're brilliant. There's so, we could talk for hours about stuff, Terry, but we, we are running out of time a little bit. So I know one of the other things we were going to say was any tips or advice for, uh, for property investors. So any, any final words for property investors for us? Yeah, well, 
there's this big thing going on in Birmingham, you know, where, where you know, MCHLG have given the council like a million pounds to audit all the support accommodation and, and so forth, you know, for, for investors and, and, you know, and who are thinking of going into that area need to kind of understand how the regulator looks at the rent setting, you know, um, because, you know, any, any provider under a thousand properties don't really get audited because of the situation that's going on there. They are getting audited and everyone that's getting audited, you know, because of the way it, the, the system and everyone thinks, oh, I'll, I'll pray a company, I'll go and do a registered provider. Yeah. It doesn't work. And it's not, it doesn't, you know, you better stay in as a CIC and not for a regulator, uh, for a registered provider, because you can never, um, you know, you can never hit the rent setting policy. Um, because of the way the way it works and the way they're, they're kind of interpreting like service charges and stuff. So just kind of don't try not to to get caught up in that and, and just try and think what is actually needed. We need properties that can you can do support accommodation, but that then turn into general needs. And, and I promise you, if you started presenting schemes like that, the councils will love it mm-hmm. and support you and you won't need to go under a registered provider, you know, because that's kind of what's needed. We want like outcomes because you know these young people they don't want to be sat in these like support and accommodation units for like two years. They just want to get in there, you know, five six months, get themselves together, get a job, and then kind of move on with their lives, you know. So, but stay in the same property and have a home is what you're saying, and that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and that you know so so for investors, you know, teaming up with um and um, registered providers to actually build properties, not team up with registered providers to provide service and um, support accommodation, because that's that ship's kind of mm. it's it's about what's coming. And what's coming is we need properties. We haven't got enough social housing and really want to invest. There's no reason, you know, why you can't do it, do that, because that's that kind of what's what's needed. And that's what's kind of coming. That'll be the end recommendation. Mm. Brilliant. Terry, thank you ever so much for sharing all your thoughts and your experiences. It's been great chatting to you today. Thank you.